0: Vision and Graft, a creative's career and mental well-being companion.
1: Hello, welcome to Vision and Graft. I'm Richard William Prisner This is episode six, and I've just got back from traveling around the country, shooting for a photography stills project that I'm working on at the moment, which I'm excited to share with you all, and I'll be revealing more about this in time. Um, I've got a little update for the podcast. I'm starting to slightly shift the focus of it, following great constructive feedback, and I hope that my attempts to develop things results in a much better experience for you, the listener. Today, I have a super talented guest. I'm chatting with multi-award winning voiceover artist Alexia Kombu. I went to University of Alexia, and we've worked together on several photography and film projects over the past 10 years. Alexia works predominantly as a commercial voiceover artist, and she's voiced campaigns for many of the top brands in the world. If you check out our website in the show notes, the list is very impressive. You've also probably heard her on radio or TV. Um, I often find myself caught by surprise as she suddenly starts talking whilst I'm sat in the living room or in my car. (laughs) Um, Luckily for me, she's also the voice behind the opening and closing sections of this podcast, and all of the back scratching that I've done has really started to pay off. In this episode, we start by discussing how Alexia began as a voiceover artist and reflect on her work for campaigns that have an important social message. We go on to chat about artistic freedom when working with clients and the role continued learning plays in development as an artist. We also discuss awareness of your skill set and leaning into what you have a flair for, and I ask Alexia what drives her as a freelancer. Alexia goes on to mention gratitude and reflection, and she reveals her practice of visualisation and its role in her development. Finally, I ask Alexia a few quick-fire questions to get to the core of her creative instincts and the experiences that she's had throughout her career. So, let's dive straight in. Thank you so much for doing the voiceover for the podcast.
0: Oh, you're welcome.
1: I love how much I can give you such a vague brief and you get it instantly, but I suppose you're probably used to that.
0: Yeah, I mean... It comes with the job role, having to take direction and um, deliver.
1: I imagine interpreting briefs is a massive part of the job.
0: Yeah, it is. But your brief was extremely detailed, which was very helpful because sometimes you don't get that much from the client in terms of what they want, um, which can lead to interesting outcomes.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I've also, I've been meaning to ask you, um, this is random, but... Do you have any techniques that you can use to help help with mouth clicks in voice recordings? Because they're like the bane of my life when I'm editing.
0: Yeah, so that's probably to do with what you're eating before, eating and drinking before you're recording. So you want to stay away from milk and dairy um, because, oh God, these words that you used to describe it are gross. Like it's, it, it makes your mouth really cloggy and claggy and you get lots of um, like, noises which is just not nice um and you want to drink lots of water but that needs to start way before the recording so you need to be hydrated all day basically um so also an apple before you your session is really useful that's helpful um and stay away from things like chocolate and peanut butter anything that sort of makes your mouth sticky you want to avoid before your session
1: Right. Well, I've recently stopped. Um, I've stopped drinking milk. Well, not. I've not stopped completely. I've stopped adding milk to tea and I now have lemon in tea. So hopefully, that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I've gone like full European continental vibes.
0: So just black tea with lemon?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. It's actually really nice. I've got a mate who's um, Belgian and she used to push me. Hard about having milk in my tea because just taking the mitt because the English have milk in the tea. And now I'm having lemon in my tea. It's like, I'm like, damn, I've, I've folded over. It's so
0: bougie. Yeah.
1: Well, I am bougie, Alexia. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't say that with surprise in your voice. Love
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. I
1: love it. Also, during my research, it's great to see that you've got my photography on your website. <laughs> it's uh, looking looking sparkly and fresh, which is good.
0: Oh yeah only the best.
1: Yeah thank you. Um, it's great as well over how over the past decade we've always found ways to collaborate. Yeah. Also amusing we didn't do it at all in university where we met.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the funniest thing about our um, friendship is that we weren't friends really at uni and then we just randomly bumped into each other in Farringdon and were like hey hey um cool, want to be friends. <laughs> I mean. Yeah,
1: I was just like, there's someone I can collaborate with. There's someone I can rope into, into a decade's worth of collaboration.
0: <laughs> we made it happen.
1: So yeah, I've got to ask this because it cracked me up and it, it also really drew my attention. What was the motivation behind your About Me section on your website, beginning with, give me a script and I'll inhale the words, then spit them out with life and colour, showering your scripts with rainbows and lollipops?
0: Uh, do you know what? The fact that you paid attention to it, I think means it did its job. Um I guess
1: I Yeah, all. I
0: mean, do you know what? There's so much more to reading a script than just reading a script. And um I think that's what I wanted to get out of that sentence. Um when you go onto someone's about me page, you just tend to scan through it, don't you? Um and I just kind of wanted people to actually read my story. because. Um, I get asked the question a lot why how did you get into voiceovers why did you decide to be a voiceover artist and that's what that section basically explains and I just wanted people to read it so I thought right what what sort of strap line can I come up with um, to entice people to read on.
1: I mean I had a suspicion that it was to, to draw me in and it definitely worked um, I mean you're going to have an opinion on it and that's I suppose that's what's what's good about it. So first of all, um, now on to serious questions. Um, What got you into wanting to be a voiceover artist? How did it all begin? And what's the journey been like so far?
0: Well, I don't know if you know this, but I wanted to be an actress. Um, I studied film with you at uni, but I did a joint honour, so I did drama as well. Um, And after uni, I went off and and managed to get an acting agent. And I started um, auditioning. And I just hated the industry. It was just soul-destroying, um, the whole auditioning process. I mean, I say the people, but it's not the people, it's it's the industry itself. You have to be very hard. Um, I just felt like people were trying to psych me out in the audition room, and I just guess I wasn't strong enough for it. Um, and I came across a voice acting class, and I went on it, did it, and really loved it and realized that maybe this this is where my life is supposed to go it sparked something inside me that i thought i had for acting but i realized i had it it was more towards the voice acting so it was a really hard decision to um to sort of walk away from from screen acting um the moment i think i realized is when my agent sent me an email saying, do you want to audition for this this role at the National Theatre? And I just burst into tears. I don't know why. I just, all of it, I, it was just overwhelming. Um, they said it was going to be six months um, rehearsal and then six months of doing the show. Um, and essentially your life is turned upside down. Your life is is acting. It's that character, it's playing that role, it's rehearsals, It's it's doing the show, it's working all the time. And I had to make a decision, like, is this actually the life that I want? Um, Am I happy doing this? So I called my agent and said, I don't think I want to do this. And he said, this is the opportunity you've been waiting for. Like, this can make you. Um, Playing a role, a character at the National Theatre in a play could be the making of you. Um, And I walked away from it. And I think that's how I knew that I needed to move on. and that's when i focused on voiceovers and ever since that moment i've never looked back and the thought of going into an audition room to audition for an acting role um which is not voiceover related just for the screen um puts the fear of god in me so that's how i know i made the right decision
1: it's it's impressive to be able to do that um so early in your career i mean i've sort of had similar thoughts about going off in different directions but it's a bold move to I mean especially being confronted with like such a great opportunity to turn away from it.
0: I feel um very lucky that I was put in that position so early on because I realized with it you know I was only in a year in exploring acting and um I'm really grateful that that happened then at that moment, because it meant I had more years in me to grow my voiceover business and to get it where it is now. Um, say it happened five, 10 years down the line, and I'd been struggling for all those years, thinking this is what I want, um, this is the route I want to go down. I would have, well, not wasted, but I wouldn't be where I am now. So I'm hugely grateful for for that happening in the way that it did.
1: I watched um, the two pieces of work that you did for Stylist, um, What is Strong and Love Women, um, and they've both got powerful messages supporting women and showcasing the importance of equality. Is it important for you to to make sure that some projects that you work on have a, a sort of social message or a, a, bigger, a bigger message? Um, and what do you personally get out of doing this?
0: So those kind of projects, those two in particular, are like, the perfect project for me to have some a script like that land in my inbox and to take on that role of of conveying that message is for for me is so fulfilling as a voiceover artist because I'm not just delivering some instructions or training which is what a lot of what I do I'm trying to help give a a message to women and, and to try and educate men, um, those, those two campaigns are just really, really important to me. Um, and I think that comes from a really well-written script as well. Um, and it's, it's more of a privilege to be able to voice something like that and to be part of a campaign where you're trying to create change, which is, is a great, as a voiceover artist, we have the opportunity to do that by being the voice and by, by, by giving that message out um so yeah I would say that that is more of a passion project and when those come along they're they're the best ones to do
1: your ability to convey your emotion through just your voice really impresses me um is it is it something that you've had to kind of work on developing because we don't see your facial expressions and the are there more kind of non-visual cues that you've had to work on, or like points of emphasis?
0: Definitely. I mean, this is probably the key to being a voiceover artist and to getting that message across in the right way. Um and that's that's a skill you have to learn. When I listen back to my first vos I did years and years ago, it comes with experience. they're They're nowhere near as good quality as they are now. You just don't feel that connection to the script because, you don't have the experience of feeling that, that connection unless you are exceptional and it just comes naturally to you. It's definitely a skill you need to learn to be able to, to br- bring the words off the page, sound like you're not reading all these things that you're, you're told and that are drummed into you. But to be able to do it and to deliver is a whole other story. Um, and I think that what, what I try to do is just speak normally as like I'm talking to you now just because it's a voiceover and it's going on a campaign or a commercial it doesn't mean we always have to be like this it's all about being well those particular campaigns about being real so if I need to to sound real I have to be real so why put on an a voice and a performance obviously I'm performing but I'm being me um and I and those projects always seem to get the best response because they are real, like you feel, you really feel it. And the same way in acting, you take yourself to a place where you feel that emotion and it comes through in your voice. So that's the way I approach scripts like that, where they have to come from deep within.
1: So this has raised a couple of things in my head. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, do you think that because you're older and more emotionally developed, Than when you were say when you started your voiceover career do you think that the ability to sort of seem sincere in being yourself when you're when you're doing that performance is is greater do you think you're more able to do it because of being a little older and a little more emotionally developed
0: yeah absolutely um not only because you experience more as you get older um, you can draw from more experiences you don't have to pretend as much And imagine a situation because the likelihood is you've probably experienced it um, by this point. Um, I would say it comes with age, but I also would say it comes with experience and just being exposed to different kinds of scripts and what a client wants from you. um, You pick up and you get better and better at doing it. So when they come along, it's not as hard as the first time. And then before you know it, it's just it's just another style of read for you.
1: I find it coincidental that you say that the, the the pieces where you kind of pour your you're able to pour more of your genuine emotion into are the ones that are better received and the ones that you feel the most fulfilled by. Because for clients, if if they can, I find that if they leave room for that to happen, for me to be able to do that, they're they're they're, they're creating an opportunity for much better work to be created than when they sort of try and compress it down into a box and. Not give you any room to move?
0: What's funny about those jobs is that they weren't live directed sessions. They were just, the scripts were given to me with a reference video, just, oh, can we have a style like this? And I just went with it, recorded it in my studio by myself, directed it um, and gave them a few options. And sometimes I feel like I do do my best work if it's self directed because I have that freedom to experiment and to play and to provide them with some options. The thing is a client doesn't always know what they want until they hear it. So if you suggest something and say, can I actually try it like this, they might say, no, no, because we're not looking for that. But if I'm just self-directing and I send it to them any, and this happens quite a lot of auditions, I'll I'll put a read in there, which might not be what they asked for, but then some sometimes that gets chosen because they don't know it until they hear it. So, having that artistic freedom and not being confined to the client's direction is sometimes beneficial for the project.
1: When you did the voiceover for this, I was very conscious about not being too specific. You know, I was really trying not to be because I knew that me being too specific would lead to limitations that wouldn't benefit the project. And I felt that by being a bit more vague, It would allow you to go at it in the way that you're able to do it than if I went in and pretended I knew what I was talking about.
0: I think what happens is sometimes you get too many descriptive words thrown at you where you don't know what what you're supposed to be doing anymore. If someone says, okay, we want it to be really energetic, upbeat, confident, but also not too happy, but, you know, powerful, but, you know, with gravitas. (laughs) And a little bit, a little bit calm. Like th- that doesn't make sense. Um, I can, I can't physically do all those things.
1: It's not an emotion. No, exactly. It's not, <laughs> an, emo-
0: it's not an emotion. So um, yeah, I think sometimes that's when it's our role as a voiceover artist to say, do you think maybe we should do a read which is, this read could be really emotional. The other read could be really upbeat and energetic and the next one we could downplay it take it down a few notches and then the client's like all right yeah that's that's a good idea so um it's it's teamwork isn't it and it's also educating um the client and other people on the call how to direct a voiceover session because sometimes they've never done one before so they don't really know um which is completely fair enough
1: So we've chatted before about continued learning throughout your career and how education never really stops. And I was wondering, how do you find dedicating time to learning and development helps to support you as you progress through your career?
0: I think it's imperative because there's always something to learn. The second you think you're good, you're too good to learn something new. To me, that's, That's just a no, because how can you know everything? How can anyone know everything? You can always do better. um, And you can always find inspiration in books and speaking to new people, um, discussing new things, trying out new things. Like this this year, I tried to explore some other genres and I realised that maybe they're just not for me. I think... My, I have my genres that I work in and you can't be good at everything and that's my problem. I try to just do everything.
1: That makes two of us.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I realised this year that I, I have to accept I have my sweet spots and there's nothing wrong with exploring other things because you learn more about yourself anyway and your ability and how far you can go in terms of voiceovers with your voice. But you know, certain things aren't, are just, certain genres are just not for me but that doesn't mean you just don't bother trying to explore it because I've learned other things about myself in the process.
1: It's worth making the effort to, to find out what, what you, what's not for you in order to find what is for you. The sort of work that I've tended to f- fall into as and enjoy is the stuff that I've really not expected. First of all, commercial work was not something I started out wanting to do. I wanted to shoot drama. And commercial work, I've I, I really started to like and started to pursue that quite a lot more, specifically sports stuff, which was, again, not something that I at all considered. I've always found like on on sets with people who work in sports or cars, they've been pleasant to be on. And that sort of helps, tr- helped drive me towards wanting to do more of that work too. I mean, do you ever find that there's something that you've wanted to do that you realized, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good at it or I'm not. I don't have a flair for that. Is, is that something that would put you off or would you push harder as a result?
0: So I've always loved the idea of gaming and um, playing the voice of a gaming character, which is a huge industry. And I went and recorded my gaming reel and just realized that I have the acting ability, but my voice is not strong enough. And that's just how my voice is. It's just, It's a soft voice. And if I, if I shout too loudly, my voice goes. So with with gaming, you have to be screaming, shouting, playing fight scenes. And as much as I love that and I would so want to do that, it just does not work with my voice. And the director was, was like, you're not shouting loud enough. And I was just scared that I was going to shred my vocal cords or not be able to speak tomorrow. But at the same time, I just... My voice hasn't been trained in that way to be to be strong enough to die in ten different ways. If the right character comes about where that isn't needed, fine. But generally, I just had to accept, right, that genre is not for me, and that's fine because I have work in other genres. So it's not it's not the end of the world.
1: I suppose you never know that character could come around, couldn't couldn't it? The non-death character.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could get some sort of fairy (laughs) a softly spoken fairy
1: yeah i'm sure i'm sure that character is gonna exist so will (laughs) exist so yeah i wish i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what that character could be (laughs) You're one of the most driven freelancers that I know. Um, I've always been in awe of that. Um, And I think you're aware of that because I've definitely told you a few times. I was just like, wow, how do you just like nonstop keep going? Um, And I just wanted to know, like, where do you get your motivation from? Like, what drives you?
0: Uh, I mean, I always try and think, what have I got coming up in life that I need to afford? And that really is the number one. Um, financially, I'm very driven. Um, I've had a few big life things come up, for example, you know, moving or planning a wedding, these sort of things. You need money for them. So my drive is working enough to earn the money to afford these things. Um, and then comes the passion behind the work. I don't find it difficult to motivate myself and drive myself because I love what I do. Um, And there's this weird, like imposter syndrome that comes with that. And this strange guilt that works alongside that. Cause I know so many people that hate their job and find it so hard to motivate themselves. And I'm just like, this is, it's not easy to motivate myself, but when I think of the outcome, Like when I'm doing my marketing emails and trying to reach out to these people, the ultimate outcome is to get a job from them. And that job is really exciting. That excites me. So that's what motivates me. That if you don't love your job, that's not going to excite you. So then you're not going to be as motivated to send those marketing emails. So I'd say finance and then passion for the role is probably what motivates me.
1: I've always had trouble tossing those two things up because I know passion, passion for what I'm doing is definitely the most important thing, but you have to afford to live. For me, in in searching for the sort of jobs that I want to do, I've sometimes taken the financial hit, you know, to try and quest towards the sort of work that I want that I want to do. There's still a lot of questions around that. Do you know what I mean? There's it's not a certainty like about what I want to do. I'm I'm sort of envious of you in a way that you seem a lot more certain in what you want to do and, and what gives you complete fulfillment. And I, I sort of personally still feel like I'm on a, a bit of a journey with it. Sometimes you have to step back and you're like, oh, well, maybe I should just go for the money and maybe I should just not do that. But I'm starting to see things differently. I'm starting to see things that like I'm running my own business.
0: I feel like the second that that penny drops, that this is... A business. I am a business owner, and these are. This is what I need to do in order to make this work. And bear in mind, freelancers, we're not just doing our day to day job. I'm not just a voiceover artist. I don't just read scripts. It's the whole thing of accounting, marketing, social media, finances, um, whatever else, ordering equipment, whatever else you need to do, studio maintenance, editing. It's a whole host of things and that's what makes our business and we do that. So I try and take a step back and look at everything I do and realize, wow, I actually do quite a lot. And it's quite, I feel like it's quite an achievement and you should pat yourself on the back sometimes and reward yourself for for your achievements. Otherwise, you're just sort of rolling on from one day to the next without acknowledging actually how much you're doing and how well you are actually doing considering the circumstances
1: yeah I think that's great that's great advice um in the last podcast episode I was talking about self-compassion at one point and that um I think that's something that I personally have not been very good at but it's something that I'm consciously now really really seeking to do from what we've talked about before and I see on your Instagram too, like I know showing gratitude and kind of like journaling uh, a big aspects in your life. And h- how do you find these benefit you in your career and with your mental wellbeing?
0: So I always say to myself that the best way to basically confirm that abundance will continue is to be grateful for the abundance you've received. So gratitude is the best way to ensure that things will be okay and I have a mantra for myself and it's like my coping mechanism because my job is quite isolating especially during COVID Um, I was just stuck in my booth all day and because I was vulnerable I didn't go anywhere so I just put everything into my work and it was all consuming so I had to take a step back and Realize what I'm grateful for outside of work. Um, and that really it helped me get through because it made me realize how much I have around me. And it's not just being grateful for what's in your life. it's grateful for the air we breathe, the music that's available to us, our ears so we can hear the music, water, opening a window and feeling the wind on your face, just simple things you can't experience. Sadness at the same time you're experiencing happiness. It's impossible. Like these two feelings cannot coincide. So when I'm in that moment and I'm writing down my gratitudes and I'm feeling really happy and grateful for that moment, that is all I'm feeling. And that puts me in the right mindset to start my day on the right note. Um, and that then I feel takes me through the whole day. If I'm feeling deflated and low, I guarantee you I will feel better after I've got my journal out and just written down a few things. Even if it's just a few words of describing how I'm feeling right now, the fact that they're on the paper, they're not in me anymore. Um, And you can do whatever you want with that. You can burn it, throw it away, leave it in there. But it's like a release. um,
1: The, The thing is I used to roll my eyes at things like this thinking they'd be useless. I remember me and you talking about it like a long time ago and I'd be like, oh, this is cool for her. You know, and I wasn't like thinking it's it's useless for you. I'd just be like, there's no point in me doing this. And now I'm like, I wish I'd listened to Alexia <laughs> like years ago when we were just talking about this stuff.
0: It's been a game changer and so is visualization. Because, I mean, you've probably heard this before, but your brain doesn't realize the difference between an imagined thought and a real experience. So if you sit there, close your eyes and visualize yourself doing something you want to be doing, or I like to visualize my best self, like my highest self, what I'm wearing, how I'm walking, where I'm going, um, my phone popping off in my pocket. I've got all these jobs coming in and feeling at 110%. My brain in that moment thinks that's happening. So you feel the real feeling and then for me, that that is motivation in itself because I want to be feeling that most of the time. Obviously, real life happens, but in that moment, it's just the best feeling. And just 10 minutes for yourself can really start your day on that level of 110%.
1: Could I try imagining different scenarios and seeing how I feel?
0: Yeah, that's the whole point. I think it's about exploring what makes your heart sing and... I try and get as specific as I can. So I want to know like down to the socks I'm wearing. I want to know every single detail so that I can really feel like I'm there. One day, say I've been feeling really, really great. It's been a fantastic day. I savor that feeling and then I can put that into my visualization approach because I know what that feeling feels like, like coming away from a really good job and just feeling on top of the world or whatever you've experienced in that specific moment and you feel great draw upon into your visualization and go back to that feeling i think it's really powerful
1: yeah i mean i'm, I'm sort of excited to give it a go now um
0: <laughs> let me know
1: um, oh yeah i'll let you know how it goes for sure what would you say has been the biggest hurdle in your career so far and what did you do to manage this
0: in all honesty, it's a constant struggle to live up to expectations. Um, For example, I've, so I've won some awards, and I feel like there's a certain responsibility that comes with that. And I feel like I have to constantly be at that level. And if I don't keep that up, then there's something wrong. Um, But obviously, that's not, normal. That's not real life. You can't always be at the top of your game um, because we're human beings. And so if one day I'm just, things aren't working in the booth, a script isn't working, I feel like, oh, I should be better than this. And this should be easy for me. And sometimes it's not, and it's a real challenge. And whether that's because I'm overworked or I'm tired or just not feeling it, at the end of the day, you're we're human beings, our emotions are going to get in the way and your emotion shows through the most in your voice. So trying to ignore that during a session is really hard. So I think my hurdles come from allowing myself to be a human and to fail and not beat myself up about it. And if, if I want to take some time off, that's okay. Like I'm a serious workaholic and I dread the idea of going on holiday for two weeks. And that's not all right. I need that time off. But sometimes I just don't allow myself to do it because I think, no, I should always be working at this level and keep going, keep up the momentum. And I do worry that at one point, I'm just going to completely burn out and not want to work for a month.
1: We can't continually work ourselves to the ground and without any rest. And at the moment, I'm I'm working quite a lot. Like I just worked all bank holiday and because I, I sort of feel like I'm starting again. I'm building my business up. So I'm doing that, but at the same time, I'm like, I need to go and organize to go for a meal in Manchester with my mates. Like, I need to do this because this is going to enable me to be able to do another seven day. You know, I need to keep giving myself that little breather, that little step back and so I can go again. Cause if I just keep going and going and going and going, like you say, you'll just reach the point where it's burnout and then you're useless.
0: That's it. And what's crazy is that we're freelancers. We have the freedom to pick and choose when we want to go away, what we want to do. If I want to take the afternoon off, I'll take the afternoon off. But I feel like I have less time than my friends who are working nine to fives because at five o'clock they clock off and they are off. They're switched off, work gone. With me, I can't do that. I will work later because there's no one telling me your your hours have stopped. And also because I don't get paid a, a wage, it's per job. I feel like when I take a holiday, that's not paid. If I take a day off, that's not paid. But with when you're employed uh, by a company, for example, take a holiday, you know that day's paid. So there's no anxiety that comes with that day off. It's purely a day off of enjoyment. And I think that is a, that is a negative point for me personally of, of being self-employed because I can never, ever relax.
1: You were talking before about um, failure and the importance of failure being part of success. And I saw a quote on your Instagram about that. Like, what, what do you mean by that? And how has that sort of played out for you?
0: So I failed in the sense that I didn't end up being an actress. I didn't go to, I didn't, that never happened for me. And that was such a big thing. That was part of my identity and who I wanted to be. And everyone knew it. And I made sure I made the whole world know. And then it was like, oh, by the way, guys, uh, yeah, it's not going to happen for me. It's quite embarrassing, I felt. Um, so I because of that failure, I felt like I was pushed to make this work, to show, do you know what? That didn't work for me, but this will. I'll show, I'll show you I can do it. I can make something of myself. Um, and that's happened that happens in auditions all the time. I I get auditions through, I do them, don't get them. To me that's a fail, but it's also a learning curve because you're not you're not going to get everything every time. That's just not how life works. So um with every fail is another step forward. Um and there will be another opportunity that is right for you.
1: Yeah, it's it's taken me a long time to realize that failing is a really important part of success you know it's 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 vital for um like you say for learning and 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 moving forward in your career and i'm 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 sort of almost now looking forward to future failures because i know that's what's going to keep like you say giving me a step forward and closer and closer to um succeeding in what i want to do um and achieving what i'm capable of
0: and how boring to always win how boring to always win. And what do you learn if you're always going to hit the mark?
1: So if you could go back to when you first started your career and give yourself some advice about how to approach the most difficult challenges that you'll face, what would it be?
0: I think it would be don't rush into things. Um, Read everything properly. Don't sign anything before you've read everything properly because contracts are very important um i know that's not very deep but it's it's, it's important
1: (laughs) no it's it's it it is very very important (laughs) that's hilarious though and i'm asking like this deep thing and there's like a moby track playing in the background and you're just like contracts
0: (laughs) honestly it's so important yeah no it
1: really is I know what you mean I've been in the same boat and you're just like in the past i would be like oh I gotta read this
0: yeah no just sign it whatever oh crap
1: if you go back to the start of your life and give yourself some advice about how to approach the most difficult life challenges what would you say
0: I would say just trust the process in my experience I can only speak for my life and the direction it's taken every single point happened for a reason every single thing even the part-time jobs I hated or situations with friends that you wish never happened but there's a reason for that and there's a reason why people come in and out of your life um I wouldn't change anything and I would just tell myself to trust the process because it will all be okay in the end
1: that's very good advice so final final question. What gives you hope?
0: I think whenever I've been in a hole and thought, oh, work's really quiet. I'm never going to work again or nothing's going right. Things always manage to work themselves out. And there's always a reason why things happen the way they do. Um, it gives, that gives me hope, knowing that in the past, things have always somehow just worked out. I just try to live a positive life and I try to be grateful for everything around me and everyone, my family and friends and my work. And that I think that alone gives me hope
1: So there we go. Thank you for listening to our conversation. If you liked today's episode, then please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you've got a few seconds spare, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. If you can also share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit, especially those aspiring or starting to move into similar careers as my guests. You can get in touch and follow me at VisionGraft on Instagram and Twitter or at VisionGraft.com where you'll also find the show notes for this episode and past episodes which I recommend you go back to listen to. I'm looking to showcase the creative's journey on this podcast and any feedback to help me towards this goal is very welcome, so feel free to drop me a message or an email. During my trip away from home, I've been a little bit lax when it comes to some of my wellbeing practices, such as journaling and meditating, however, I was topping up on some socialising with great mates and collaborators, so that definitely did me some good. In the past, I'd probably have spent time beating myself up or letting things slide or just give up, um, but I've just jumped straight back in and I'm proud for instantly reworking things back into my schedule. It was easier than I thought when I had a more positive approach. Thank you for listening to Vision and Graft, a creative's career and mental wellbeing companion. If talking is the cure, then creativity is the recovery. Take care.
0: Find us online at visiongraft.com or on Instagram and Twitter at Vision Graft.